everybody and welcome to Volume 10, Issue 471 of the Cane and Rinse Podcast. Joining me, Chris O'Regan, in this issue is Tony Atkins. Hello. Jesse Fuchs. Hello. And special guest all the way from the Computer Game Show is James Farley. Hello. This is James' first ever uh, guest appearance on the uh, Cane and Rinse Podcast. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, and, and we we and probably last, but yeah, go on. <laughs> Don't say that. We're we're nice. We're nice. Well, David's uh, been on. Sean's been on. Has Matt yeah. been on? No, he hasn't been on. Tells you everything. Does <laughs> does. We do go into things in depth here. Oh, that's fire. <laughs> um, the game we are actually going to be talking about uh, is Star Trek Bridge Crew. Now. I'd like everyone to be on their guard, not just for, you know, the fact that we're pretending to be in a Star Trek bridge crew, but also I have the tendency, for some reason, to name this game Star Trek Bridge Commander, which is a very different game from a distant past. It's easily done. Very easily done. I've done it myself many times. It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I don't remember playing that game. I do have it somewhere on my PC, but uh, it's a very old game from the late 90s, I think. Or early, early 2000s. Early 2000s, I think, because yeah, it's Activision. Yeah. yeah, it was one of theirs. It was uh, yeah, yeah, totally games. But that's still like 20 plus years ago, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Got to remind ourselves 20 plus years ago. So, well, not quite. Maybe 18, 19. Be that as it may. Just as, as is tradition, spoiler warning. We are going to go into spoilers. There's not going to be that many spoilers with regards to this game because one of our observations will be the content or lack of therein of this particular title. Spoilers, but there's a spoiler of a spoiler. <laughs> but um, let's uh, let's 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 sort of uh, delve in to what Steam has to say about this game and how it introduces it. So if you go to Steam right now, because you can get it on multiple platforms, we played it mainly. I've personally only played it on PlayStation VR. I know Jesse has played it on other platforms. You can talk about that later on. But this is what. Steam has to say about it. It would be interesting to sort of look back on this at the end of the show and go, is that accurate? Is it true? The Star Trek trademark uh, bridge crew yeah, is playable in both VR and non-VR. Now, I must confess I never did that. Anyway, uh, and we'll immerse you in the Star Trek universe, apparently. The game puts you in your friends and you and your friends in the heart of the USS Aegis. Not all the time. But. And your mission is to explore a largely uncharted sector of space known as the Trench in the hopes of locating a suitable homeworld for the decimated Vulcan populace. The Klingon Empire is also active in the region and their purpose is the threat is a threat to the Federation's plans. Make strategic decisions and coordinate actions with your crew to complete the mission. <laughs> yeah, right. In co-op, you can form a crew of four players. Yes, you can. In the roles of Captain, Helm, Tactical and Engineer. More or less. In addition to a dynamic storyline, the game features an ongoing missions mode, procedurally generating missions for countless hours of solo and co-op adventure. Mm-hmm. In Star Trek Bridge Crew, you'll need more than just individual skill to overcome challenges. Communication, trust, and close crew coordination are keys to victory, as well as lots of the ability to withstand heckling. <laughs> so it's they're really sort of like a brackets thick skin. <laughs> um, so let's talk about our personal histories of Star Trek Bridge Crew. 
do correct me if I say commander at any time. I'm doing well for it so far. Tony, what's your your personal history with this particular title, the video game joy? Um, it's kind of weirdly checkered. Uh, <laughs> I I was uh, obviously when I got PlayStation VR, I got it very you know on launch. In fact, I, you know, I was very excited about jumping into the world of VR and really was trying to get my hands on anything and anything, everything VR related. So I went through a phase of playing just probably about VR games for about six months, and it was pretty damn awesome. I have to say, but like then most people, I kind of just got a little bit of, you know, sidetracked and other stuff and just almost entirely went back to just normal 2D gaming. Um, kind of left the VR stuff in, in, in the wake because I had to kind of set everything back up. But this isn't... So I, I have played this Star Trek uh, Bridge Crew through in its entirety for the first time over the last few weeks. But actually, I did play it for about... Um, 25 minutes first time round when I first had it um, and that comes down to the fact that weirdly this game is a little bit daunting the first time you, you fire it up there's a lot of stuff you're like oh what do I do how am I doing this all oh, there's things need to go here and it all just felt a bit like ah do I want to commit to this kind of strategic um, gameplay and it's you know I just rented it so it wasn't really I hadn't really invested any money into it so I was like nah it's fine I kind of got my Star Trek fix after 20 minutes and threw it back in the pack and that was it but for the show it came up on the list and you know I my name was on it and I thought right now I'm gonna dive in and, and do it properly this time and not be overwhelmed by the uh, the experience in front of me and uh, yeah more on that later so yeah I picked up a physical disc version this time and actually because I Originally thought I could not find it on the store. I looked for like 20 minutes and it could not see it at all because I think it was buried under pretty much every other Star Trek episode, stroke, franchise, everything else that is on the PlayStation store. Um, so I brought a physical disc version, only then to find it was actually available digitally on the store, but I got the disc version for £5 and the store version was £20. So, you know, it is what it is. Such is the way of things. Such yeah. is and the are, way. You a, are you a personal fan of knowledge? Do you have to have... In percentage terms, how how knowledgeable you are, and I'll ask all of this, all of you, by the way, is, yeah. is your percentage of uh, quiz will be trek later, knowledge. Right? Uh, my yeah. trek knowledge is watching pretty much the entirety of the Next Generation series uh, when I lived okay. with my mother-in-law, like God, twenty years ago. Well, yeah, okay. not quite that, but um, and the original series, uh, and then bits of Deep Space Nine, and you know, I'm. I like Star Trek. You know, I'm I'm not a you know a person that could name every single thing, but you know, I know pretty much all the memes and the laws and and the stuff of like that, and you know, the Klingons and all the, all of that stuff. And I've kept track of the films, and yeah, I'm I'm embedded in the Star Trek culture, but I'm you know I couldn't tell you every single thing about Star Trek. That's for sure. So I'm I'm going to give you like a seventy-five. Yeah, no, I'm allowed, yeah, I'd even say a seventy. Okay, 68. I think sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. Yeah. <laughs> Star Trek, we like our numbers. Let's go 68%. Precisely. Very good. Jesse, what about you? What's your relationship with this particular game? Um, It was one I picked up, I'm pretty sure, the first time it went on sale. Apparently, Mm -hmm. according to my trophies, I played it probably for about an hour on October 14th, 2017, and then stopped until the show. See, Um, not just me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it's also, uh, uh, thanks to uh, Dr. Farley and his crew, 
uh, they were actually part of what tipped me over into mm -hmm. buying PSVR. I didn't, I, I wasn't excited. I didn't pre-order it. I didn't really care. And then just when people started talking about it, it was like I had been incepted. Like just something <laughs> clicked in my brain. I was like, and I didn't really have the money for this to be a wise move at that point. But I like called every GameStop in New York. I found one out in Queens. It was a very rainy day. I like have this distinct memory of just like trudging out there, buying this thing, trudging back, you know, setting it up and and almost being like, I bet I'm this is going to be I feel like an idiot. Like I just spent half the money I have on the, and, and then setting it up and within like two minutes just being like, no, this oh is the best God. decision I've yeah. ever made in my life. <laughs> Um, and it was the same semester that I first taught my 80s uh, computer games class. And that was kind of part of my justification slash like sudden interest was, you know, I like I like the primordial stuff. I like the stuff that's like janky where you can kind of see where they're trying to, you know, the reach is exceeding their grasp. Uh, and as people were describing VR, I'm like, everything people are saying that's good about this sounds awesome. Everything people are saying that's bad about this also kind of sounds awesome to me uh, because of my interests. And yeah, so I have uh, extremely distinct memories of playing Thumper on the night of the 2016 election and just like playing a level, look at my phone, being like, oh boy, going back into Thumper. That was the one game that would actually distract me from what was going on. So, and yeah, I have a very like, I, I uh, bought Eagle Flight as one of the first games, which is an Ubisoft one, and then sh uh, fairly shortly thereafter, Werewolves Within, right? Which were both uh, Ubisoft titles, very nicely done. I enjoyed both of them. Uh, and so when I heard about uh, Star Trek, which I am a, I'd say maybe slightly less uh, than Tony, but about the same level of like, I've seen a decent amount of original. I've seen probably half a Next Generation, a little Deep Space Nine. Uh, the first couple of movies haven't paid attention to the last 20 years. Um, but you know, I'm vaguely familiar. Uh, and, uh, so when this came out, I was like, okay, I'll wait. And then it went on sale for like 25 instead of 40. And I was like, okay, I'll bite. And I went through the tutorial and I really enjoyed it, but right. It's kind of intimidating. And it was definitely the kind of thing where I'm like, well, this will be better when I get other people to play this with me, which I'm sure will happen any day now. So I like did part of one mission on my own. It was just like, okay, I'll, I'll shelve this and come back to it. And then I did. Until, <laughs> until we were uh, preparing for the show, at which point I played a bunch of it and, and actually quite enjoyed it, as we'll get into. Yeah, it will, we'll get into that, definitely. Yeah. I feel we got a number. It sounds like it's number 70%, maybe 65%. Don't know. Well, in 2014, I went through all of Next Generation, but only the stuff the Onion gave an A minus or higher, uh, or or like the good, interesting sounding, or like load bearing B. So I've seen like 40% yeah, yeah. of it seven yeah. years ago. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll I, take a 40. <laughs> I don't know, I'll, okay. You're missing out. You're missing out on some really on the, poor quality TV. I did <laughs> really, watch really the. Poor the Beverly Crusher has sex with the ghost one. I mean, that did not yeah. get a B, but I was like, okay, I got I got to know. That that was that that was that was an episode certainly. Um <laughs> James, uh tell us what's your uh history with um Star Trek Bridge Crew. It's funny because you see I've always had a big thing for bridge simulators that are connected to Star Trek because mm. I would say I am a pretty big Star Trek fan. I mean, 
anybody that knows what the Star Trek fact files are will know what I mean. Um, because that, I mean, it was a, it was like a series of like collectibles that you bought like over. I think it was in the like sort of the late nineties that went on for, I don't know, for decades. It felt like and cost a huge amount of money, and they're now in my loft uh, somewhere, which is very embarrassing. Um, but I've I've always had a, a huge thing for them going right back to. Do you know um, Star Trek the twenty fifth anniversary uh, that came out on PC? And yeah, there was also yeah. judgment rights as well. And they, I mean, they weren't simulators by any stretch of the imagination, but they did give you the sort of basic control over flying a starship. And that was the thing that I was always most uh, most into. And then it was then like, you know, there was Starfleet Academy and Klingon Academy uh, later. And all of these, they brought this sort of what I really liked about X-Wing, which was that sort of light tinkering that you get, you know, with Starship Combat, where you're not controlling absolutely everything but you do have some control over sort of uh, you know some aspects of the ship and so as soon as i saw this i was very much up for playing this <laughs> because it uh, it looked ideal and i was a bit late to psvr um because that was the, the platform i played it on but it was one of the first things i bought but a bit like you guys i started it played it for about 25 minutes and then thought I need to play this with other people, but I don't know anybody <laughs> that likes Star Trek, apart from maybe Sean. And so I'm never probably going to be able to play this as I should be. And uh, I was a bit sad about well, that. There, so. there is the option of just going online with randoms. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. So well. <laughs> Trust me, that fears me dread. I'm not. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that because I have actually done that. But please, yeah. But then I think it was because we came up with the idea because we were, were always looking for ideas for for the computer game show for streams, you know, what we're going to do. And we came up with the idea that maybe we could stream it. First of all, I was going to do it with Matt because he doesn't know anything about Star Trek, really. And, you know, I just thought you know, that could be maybe entertaining, you know, trying to get him to command a, a you know, starship or you know, take orders or whatever. And then uh, we got all of us together uh, to play it, and it ended up being a huge amount of fun. I mean, even though I was sitting there grinding my teeth quite a lot because I really wanted to do this in a kind of the serious <laughs> I am the captain way, and it's not possible with the people that I share a podcast with. And so it was um, it was good fun, and there were some good moments in it, but um, yeah, it was also quite painful as a Star Trek fan to go through, uh, but still great. That's interesting. I mean, we we'll, might we'll talk about a little bit about how that compared to the experience you had with us. Obviously, it was different <laughs> um, because most of us knew the law, and I was actually making some citations and quoting. Like, yeah, that's true, Chris. <laughs> but I, was, I guess you were about ninety-five percent on the Star Trek sort of law knowledge then. Yeah, I mean, as, I mean, I've watched everything like numerous times. I mean, I actually just finished a watch through of everything, like, like quite recently. And um, apart from I mean, the more recent series, I'm I'm not a huge fan of at all uh, for various no. reasons. But uh, yeah, the uh, yeah going back, I mean, I think I mean Deep Space Nine is my favourite series of all of them. I think it's incredible. It's uh, it still holds up remarkably well. Um, I think it's mm, yeah, mm. it's it's excellent. Cool. Um, yeah, you even watched Enterprise, you know. That's that's a that's, that's a thing. the, the, no, the latter series of that were not so bad. They it started no. to hit its stride and then it got cancelled, which was a shame. Yes, um, yeah. but yeah, they blew it in the uh, the early seasons, which was a shame. Yeah. Oh boy! So <laughs> speaking to myself, or myself, to myself, or myself. Um, <laughs> I honestly can't remember how I got this game or how I found about about it. Clearly, the marketing of Ubisoft was wasn't great for this particular. Because I do remember buying the game on the sale, and it was about. I think it was about £15 I bought it for, close to when the game uh, was released, maybe six, seven months ago. I, I don't know. I, but <clears throat> it wasn't at launch. It wasn't something I was aware of. But then someone sort of pointed out, oh, yes, this is a thing. Oh, I'll, ha- I'll have a look at that. So I got it home, and um, I do remember 
at the time I was a little hesitant because I was I was actually fighting with my my setup for my PSVR. It wasn't you know wasn't it, basically the guidelines the guidance that that Sony gives out on PSVR is very bad. They give like oh put it on top of top of the television. No, don't do that. Um, so <laughs> um, and all these things and I had it basically was a trigger for me to go right. How am I supposed to really set this up? And did lots of research and turns out you need to stick it up on a wall and you need to put it pointing down and you have to have your room lit green and all sorts of nonsense. But as the last bit is is optional, but it, it does optimize things quite a lot. Um, but the point is, um, it got it. Did, I wanted to play this game so much that I wanted to make sure. And also, I found out one of my controllers, my move controllers. So I had seven of them. My the the, the gyro in the, in the in the controller was gone, and it wasn't fixing. So it was actually slowly rotate to the left constantly. <laughs> so my hand suddenly I couldn't control anything with it. So and I, did, I couldn't figure out why. And it turns out it was broken. So I had to replace it very quickly. But once I figured it all out and had it sorted up, it. It, for me, it really emphasised how amazing VR could be, and allowing you to do certain things and do the things you really were always wanted to do, and that's what drew me to this game: is the fact that you could have this interaction and the fact you could move your hands and your virtual hands on the consoles and press the buttons to do the thing. And even you know, we talk about the interfaces and stuff because there are there are oh, there's interfaces in there, eh? Um, uh, but um, that for me was my sort of history and I have played it with friends and I've played it with randos as well and again we'll talk about that but um, um, the, the generally I found it, it's a fantastic cooperative game to a point but um, and it's deeply asymmetric uh, every player has their own doing whatever they're doing they, they just have to focus on that one job that they have Typically, unless you're a captain who generally barks orders everywhere, or at least tries to, but then generally gets ignored. <laughs> <laughs> but, and as regards to Star Trek, well, and also, um, um, going back to my history of Star Trek games, I've, I've been playing them for a good, I think it's 40 years now, because the first ever computer game I ever played was called Star Trail, Star Trek. And it was based on the Star Trek game from mainframes, but it was on, on this whole ZX81 computer. And uh, I was utterly enthralled by it. And it turns out I read around about this game, Star Trek, from the mainframes in the 70s. It was ported to the Atari 2600 to Star Raiders and quite a famous game. And uh, it became quite a genre that these sort of star ship commanding, going through sectors, docking the space stations and blowing up Klingons. It's, it's a thing. And here we are 40 years later still doing that. Only, only rather than having it in your mind, you're actually doing the thing. So, with regards to lore, well, I've watched almost every Star Trek episode except for one series of Discovery because I just can't stomach it. Um, so, I'm probably going to give me a 90%. Maybe maybe 85 <laughs> But uh, I did watch all of Picard as well and I stomached that somehow. But uh, Yeah, um, also, I also have problems. <laughs> yeah, but now, now I'm... Now I'm chewing my way through Expanse, so yay, mm. everyone wins, right? So, Star Trek Bridge Crew, developed by Red Storm Entertainment. It's Barcelona Studio, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Have you noticed that? It sort of flashes up on the screen when the game starts up. It is published by Ubisoft. I know. Thank you, everyone. Uh, the director is a chap called Brian Tate. 
and produced by and it was produced by Robbie Edwards and the sound director. But I cannot find a composer. I did some hunting and hunting, trying to find. I mean, there is some music to this game that is very Star Trekky like, but not actually Star Trek music. Um, but it has the same, you know, theme to it, same um, arrangements and that kind of thing. And that's a, but the sound director is Justin Drust, and it's released on the PSVR, that is, uh, on the 30th of May 2017. And then it's subsequently released on um, Steam VR. Um, it's also on Windows PC. And it's also an Oculus Quest, an Oculus Quest 2. Um, but, um, yeah, it's... It, um, how do I put it? it? The lead platform is PSVR. The other platforms haven't fared so well. Well, Jesse can talk about those, because I understand you've played Oculus uh, Quest, haven't you? I haven't played, I've just read reviews read, because I kept wanting to because my two biggest Trek fan friends are also the two people I play Walkabout Mini Golf on Quest VR with, and that's like our main game. But we wanted something that was like a sit down game. Uh, and now we're doing Demio, which I won't go into, but like that kind of like cooperative sit around a table or sit and like play a game. And so I would keep checking uh, the reviews for Star Trek Bridge Crew. And they're just terrible because it constantly breaks and people are like, you know, the, the multiplayer only works a third of the time and blah, blah, blah. And I would just kind of, and apparently it's worse on Quest 2. And so just every month or two, I would go check them again, hoping there'd been a big patch and like I could play this with my friends uh, prepping for this show. And no. That's, see, that, that's strange because yeah. you see we when we played it for the computer game show um i think two of us were on quest and two of us were on psvr and we had no problems at all really yeah. were they quest one or quest two uh they were quest one both of them were quest ones i think that might be yeah. i think the two is a bigger i think that's the thing is they just haven't yeah. i don't know but right but i i would buy it again uh if if if, if they fix it up and i stop seeing these one-star reviews constantly um, and I get the sense that on Steam, it's also, I mean, this is maybe a more general topic of Ubisoft's, uh, you know, sort of uh, affection for VR and then hot and cold kind of relationship. I think it's 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 also you play as well, I think. I mean, because we, we had yeah. problems, didn't we, just trying to get into games. It was, it, even though we were on the same platform, it was still yeah. felt overly complicated. I, I mean, I have to say, I haven't had any issues with the PSVR version, but yeah, that's one. No, none at all. Absolutely. The only issues we had is our, you know, matchmaking interfacing. Which your your strict PS- nap. <laughs> my st- really not not strict nap, but actually I had a setting on PSEN that said no one's allowed to talk to me. What? Did, did I was I overzealous one time? I don't know. Although um, there was also yeah. problems apparently with the PS5, you know, with playing it on PS5 because right, when when right. the transition happened, I was wanting to sell my PS4 so that I could finance the PS5, and. Mm. They it it was on the list of games that would not work on PS5 <laughs> yeah. for some reason, yeah. and yeah. so yeah. I held out and didn't sell my PS4. Got the PS5 and then found it does work. It's, it does um, work. Pretty it, just, much... it gives you a warning. It gives yeah. you a warning. Yeah, it says this might be a bit weird. But, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I lost money thanks to Ubisoft. Yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was that was rather yeah. annoying, but no mind. It reviewed reasonably well. I mean, it sort of matches Tony's score of Star Trek of seventy five. <laughs> <laughs> um, we said 68 for you, yeah. but yeah, the Metacritic was uh, is 75 percent, and the user score is seven. So you have you know the critique critics all matching the user score, which is unusual Metacritic. But I 
we're going to talk about this later, but this makes sense actually. It does does align with um, uh, uh, our our own experiences, but it does it did get some some accolades and rewards and stuff. And we're going to talk about this now before we delve into our into the details of the game and its gameplay. But it's uh, in 2016. It got it got lots of nominations. I noticed best VR game. Uh, at Gamescom 2016, so you know the Game Critic Awards 2016. Yeah, they didn't come out until 2017. So, uh, uh, Golden Joystick Awards, Best VR Game nominated, nominated. Only one actually won one award, uh, which is 2018 National Academy of Video Game Trade Reviewers Awards. Not a thing I know. They won the Directional Direction in Virtual Reality, which I can see because it does really embrace the fact that you are stationary. You're not running around. You don't have to move. Do you? Yeah, but... and it's very well scoped. I mean, and mm. it, partly that is a flaw, and because it didn't expand more. But like they, I, I can see the director, you know, getting accolades for being like, "Look, you didn't go over your skis. You delivered the experience that we were looking for." Uh, and and yeah, I mean, and it, right, and also got a nice nomination uh, from them for control design, which is something I'm sure we'll end up talking about a bunch. But I definitely think uh, that's a strength. Uh, mm. the game. Oh yes. Also, I mean, it's a a recognisable IP as well. You know, it's. I, I remember that before it was released, it it did have some hype behind it because it was this recognisable IP. I mean, let's face it, we've all kind of. I'll say we all. I've certainly liked the idea of you know being put in the in the scenario what the game puts you on the bridge, and I think that is kind of like a boyhood fantasy kind of thing, and and the idea of, very idea of it. So there was. A fair bit of buzz around it, so it doesn't surprise me it ended up in that kind of award ceremony area because it was not quite the poster child, but it was definitely a you know look you know VR can do licensed products. It's you want to do this, this, right? Is this the one that's going to break VR into the mainstream? I'm sure it was at least you know a dozen games were like maybe this will be the one that really makes it take off instead of it being kind of a slow, steady uh, climb. I don't know what that game is actually, as regards to the, what. I don't think it exists. Uh, Beat no. Saber. Beat Saber is the closest. Oh, there you go. Closest one. I mean, yeah. Half Life Alex probably would have been if it was on more platforms, but right. it's not. That's, That's uh, my, it was my game of last year, but it's just so closed down and yeah. so few people have experienced it, but it is phenomenal. It genuinely is. But it's not the breakout yeah. hit because you need the PC of. You know, yeah, I think proportions to fit to run. Not to so. go on this tangent, but I think I think Beat Saber is because it is actually mm. influencing the direction of consumer VR of like normies care about really good tracking in a way yeah. that I don't think would be the case if Beat Saber didn't exist. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a whole show on the state of VR, but I would, I would say, like many <laughs> things, that you know, VR is very much a test bed. You know, when people are playing it, I still feel like we are, you know, the the people on the the early frontier of this technology and yeah it's great that it's in the general consumer's hands but i think it you know there's many issues certainly with bridge crew that we'll go into that i think are actually just you know uh, tangentially linked with the fact that it is a vr game and that you know x amount i.e not huge amounts of people will be playing it how much investment is someone going to put into it you know licensing costs and all that stuff that goes with it and you know content wise how much is there I think so much of it is just tied in that it is a VR game. But then again, you know, what is there? Well, yeah, there's some interesting stuff we, we can get into. But I think, you know, VR is VR. And 
I think all of us are fans here of VR and would love to see it break through a bit more than it has. But, you know, I think it's time will come. It will do eventually. The technology just needs to get that a little bit easier, I think. So looking back on our community, which we have a vast amount of and we're very grateful for them, uh, Tolkien Taters in the uh, forums has made a post about uh, about the Star Trek Bridge crew. said the following, I picked this up to play for the pod and enjoyed it. I played it on a mid-tier PC with a Quest 2 and that probably hampered the experience as it wasn't designed for the controllers I had. No, it wasn't. Sadly. I'm not a massive Star Trek fan. I've, been about, I've seen about half the episode of the original series and really liked the Wrath of Khan and being said it felt really cool actually take control during a Kaboshi Maru scenario, the thing you do. Um, based on what you just said there, I give him about a 40% rating. <laughs> Knowledge. Uh, the idea behind this game is this game is really interesting, but you could definitely tell this was an early VR game since there's a lot of jank present. Hmm, might be something to do with this platform then. Anyway, not being able to move your head much and constantly setting control of disconnected messages really shook me out of the experience. Again, not something I experienced. It's an interesting game, but not one I'd recommend to most people. It's also had the misfortune of being played after Half-Life Alex, and unfortunately most VR games are just going to feel worse in comparison. And that definitely influences my opinion. Now, speaking of someone who's got the inverse of that, I, I played this before Half-Life Alex, and I'm not going to let this show derail into that conversation. It's not really relevant. Uh, but and it, but it is that game is an interesting benchmark for the platform. But we're here to talk about Star Trek Bridge Crew and what it does. And I think what he's talking to there and what it reflects on the issues that the other platforms have had in that the chat doesn't work, the controllers aren't interacting properly, the whole thing doesn't. It wasn't really designed for those platforms. It seems to be designed for PSVR at least because I haven't experienced any of the things he's talking about at all there is some strange animation things that's really to do with um you know how the models are interacting with people waving their arms about really dramatically in fact that's something we do when we're playing it's like make it go and wave yeah. your arms make, make it go make it go and uh, it is but, it is yeah. always trying to guess where your elbows are and it is <laughs> rarely accurate really accurate you got really like double jointed elbows like you would not believe but uh we also get that thing where you're holding the controllers in the wrong hands when you switch it on. Which oh, that's is strange. Yeah. Which I do every time. And then you suddenly you look down at your hands and they're crossed in front of you. And it's like, oh, that's, that's a pain. I always had that every moment. Every time. I, I loaded up into the game and my chair was facing the complete wrong way from the screen. <laughs> I was like, um, okay. But it was quite interesting. We were playing it earlier and, like, you know, James sort of uttered this. And I thought, oh, I thought I was doing it wrong. No, it happens every time when you... Start it up, it just basically switches your hands off, so you're crossed hands. We don't know why, it just does it every time. But um, anyway, um, so there's a, this, let's talk about the sales, because I tried to do, sort of dig this up, and we've got a Reddit thread, which is the bastion of all knowledge, <laughs> <laughs> um, up there with Wikipedia, saying that, um, so um, using the unreliable VG charts, um, so take these figures with a bit of a grain of salt, maybe an entire vat, I don't know. But apparently, apparently on the PlayStation 4, uh, and it's, I'm not sure if this is North American sales or worldwide sales, but it's a number, let's take it. Um, it's 170,000 on the PlayStation 4. 
Strike 5. Other Ubisoft games like Assassin's Creed, Origins, or, or, or Oranges, uh, 3.5 million on the PlayStation 4 alone. Rainbow Six Siege, excellent game, by the way, 3.4 million on the PS4. I mean, I, mean, I didn't know. even know if these are right. I, I, I trust the uh, Star Trek one more. It, it's within the order of magnitude, right? Like, just, it, it's really important to sort of talk about this. As the yeah, one. it's also not apples no, but... or apples. I mean, it's just, you know, mm-hmm. one's a, uh, you know, <laughs> what is the the user base of VR on PlayStation? I mean, do we, is it right. t- two million? What was the attachment rate at that a million? point? It was... Four or five million after two or three years, I think. Mm-hmm. But it was got, okay. There's there's a number of things which I mean I I don't actually think 170k is that bad no. for this. No. Um, mostly I think also because you're looking at a license. I mean Star Trek obviously is very well known, but it hasn't actually been popular like for quite a while. Like recently, like it it was a down. It's definitely had a downturn. I think uh, since sort of you know 2009 came out and it was you know the, the film was very popular but then after that things have not gone very well there's a lot of excitement of... about picard isn't it and yeah know. there was there was that although you know ratings tailed off for that and it's the same for the films as well that they rebooted and you know there's probably not going to be another one of those either because there, there hasn't been the interest so i mean i i, I wouldn't be that surprised by this as a number really and i wouldn't really say it's terribly bad either uh yeah no i think no. for vr that's why mm-hmm. I put in the, the, the Steam reviews, which is a weird metric, but just to compare it to other Ubisoft VR stuff, I thought it was interesting how much better it did than uh, everything else they've made. Um, yeah. Where yeah. They, it, it has 1,900 mostly positive reviews and every other game, like Eagle Flight or whatever, is like two to 300. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, relatively. It's, it's, um, yeah. yeah, but for a PSVR game, yeah, it did, it did gangbusters, didn't it? Really? It's because... PSVR as a platform is is not nearly as much as the, the broader platform, uh, and they're finding the division did three point four point three million. But uh, it's an interesting sort of comparison. But I think it is apples and oranges, isn't it? Um, and uh, and but you could argue that actually, um, Star Trek Bridge Crew is um, not just VR. We keep on saying it because. Or four of us have already played it in VR. In theory. You, you say that. I mean, I know James and me messed around it in non-VR. Okay, mm. what's it like? I'll let James. Horrendous. Yeah. <laughs> Does it work? Uh, it works. Um, not right. very well. Uh, mostly because they the perspective is very strange. Because all the consoles in front of you are kind of like stretched out at an angle. So you're not mm. looking at them like... You know, if you're playing in VR, you can look down and you can see the controls. They've tried to kind of replicate that, but then it also means that you can't see like what you know what <laughs> things very easily mm-hmm. at all. And yeah, it's right. it's it's not easy to navigate. I mean, I tried doing it with a with a DualShock, and it was it was really not uh, not the way you would want to play it at all. I mean, this is why. Yeah. I mean, I heard it, it. You know, it's it was now available to play in 2D, and maybe this would increase the user base. But I think if anyone tried it, they'd be quite disappointed yeah, so um, I, I was pretty convinced it was just VR only and so when it actually came up with the splash screen of the first time I played it in ages it was like no you can play this in, in on the screen I was like oh maybe maybe I don't need to bother with VR hey, you know because let's face it you're in VR you know you are cut away from the world and you know, I've got a household going yeah. around me so I was like well if there is yeah. the option maybe it would be an interesting perspective I lasted yeah. about 20 minutes and I went this is terrible like everything right. is real tunnel vision um, and certainly once you've oh. experienced the game in VR where you know you're a part of this world all you know it's it's back it reminds me back when I was just playing VR so the idea of suddenly going back and just playing a game on a 2D screen seemed like this is 
you know, why would I do that? Because I'm in this world and it's all amazing. And then you realise actually, you know, gaming has survived perfectly fine without us being inside the game for a very long time. And there's they are two separate experiences. But it's when you try to shoehorn something that was tangentially built for VR into a 2D space, it just completely falls apart because you don't have that peripheral vision. You are, tr- you know, really narrow vision. You're trying to move left to right. It doesn't just bring up a console like, oh no, here's tactical, here's helm. It's trying to fit too much onto one screen and nothing at all at the same time. And it's, yeah, it's pretty terrible. So if if you don't have VR and you're interested, I would say please don't, don't you know, buy it in, you know, in any anticipation that you're going to play like a tactical game because it, it really doesn't work. You also mm. you also lose the sort of the tactile feeling mm-hmm. from it as well, you know, because of the fact. I mean, as I said, I was playing it with a Dual Shock in two D, and you you just don't get that same feel at all from like interacting with the controls. It's just uh, it feels very sort of sterile and, uh, and not even like less intuitive <laughs> than, it, than, the, what, than it is when you're playing with what's the. What's uh, truly oh. strange is that it was patched in in December of 2017, like six months after the game launched. And as a place to spend their efforts, <laughs> like it, it must yeah. have just, I would love to read a Jason, Schre- a long Jason Schreier essay about this game. Like just, just what sort of weird upper management machinations happened that this ended up being the thing they were focused on to like save this well, game or whatever. It sold 170,000 uh, copies and someone was like, you know what, we might be able to get that to 200. I don't know. You know. It's such a I mean, weird it's, decision. It's one of those things, yeah. isn't it? Where you could imagine them, like the executives saying, "Like, can you can you just do this so anyone can play this?" And they're like, "Well, we no. could, but it'd be awful." <laughs> right. And then it's like, "I mean, well, it you could, could do it awful. though." And, it's, I, and they're like, I, "Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we could, but it doesn't but, mean we should." You know, back, back to James's point you know, about games and, and you know Star Trek in particular and how well they've done of recent times. Like, when you actually think about Star Trek, you know, what do you come to a Star Trek game for? You know, is it the space combat? You know, Star Wars obviously lends itself. In, extremely well to that but you know when you think about star trek it's like well it's just that's one aspect but even when you start thinking about the combat it's about well it's it's about the old you know putting shields up and, and doing all the, the stuff that is you know tangentially linked to, to star trek and i think when you try to put that into a 2d game and you know they tried it it feels very much like it just it needs to be on a pc you know in a more kind of like you know moving sections around on the screen and you know typing things in the keyboard than you know physically on the gamepad now obviously there's been examples of star wars game star wars oh god that's terrible star trek games in the past that have you know have had a good go but i really feel like this makes a perfectly sensible kind of like okay well imagine if you are on the bridge and we can make you feel like you're in position on the bridge so i'm not surprised that star trek has really struggled to to you know to influence itself into the gaming lexicon. Unless that's just me. And the only Chris you've played probably most of them. I've played a lot of them. I think um I think it was called what Delta Squad, I think it was an FPS in the early two thousands. As Elite Force. Yeah there was Elite Force, yeah. that was it. That was great. It was, was very good, good. yeah. But you see, so, but that's the thing. Yeah. What the most successful Star Trek games that there that there were that have you know sort of come out over the over the last sort of uh Twenty years, I guess, have been the ones which have sort of married the two things of like mm. things like ship combat, but then also like adventure and storytelling as well. And that's where this game, I really feel, doesn't work. Uh, they've got the mechanics right. down, but they haven't built any. I mean, I was reading through. There was an interview with um uh, with the developers uh, on StarTrek.com, like about the about this about the game. 
and they sort of tried to explain you know what what they thought was about it they said here said the inspiration for both the story and the specific missions really comes from wanting to create the sense of being in a series of star trek episodes and empowering players to play the role of the crew and it's like i can see they have they've achieved that in the sense that you do feel that you're you know you're working together you're you know working you know uh, to try and sort of achieve an outcome but you don't get any of that sort of sort of connection really i don't feel between crew members and that which is at the heart of star trek like the the, the relationships yeah. there are and part of the problem with that is because the the campaign is too short uh you don't get any mm. sort of sense of progression or development in terms of characterization which is what was so good about those like the text adventure yeah. ones and the the adventure versions of star trek is indeed that's what it indeed. is yeah let us just sort of reel it back in because we're going to definitely going to touch on that later on in the show let's build it up with Ubisoft's relationship with VR, because I think Jesse's done a fantastic job of digging through and trawling through their, their sort of stuff. And then we're going to jump into where does this game, the, 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 where does Star Trek Bridge Crew sit within basically the, the genre of starship commanding or, rule or, or, or overseeing or piloting? Where does it sit in that genre? But uh, Jesse, do you want to talk us through what you've done here? Yeah. It's fantastic. I was just curious about, because, right, I played Eagle Flight and Werewolves Within, which are both very good games that I enjoyed a lot, but also didn't get a lot of support. Um, and Eagle Flight pretty quickly did not have really an online uh, player base. Um, and But, yeah, I was just looking, as I said, that, you know, um, the Bridge Crew stands out as having like 1,900 reviews on Steam instead of two to 300 as the rest of these do. But in 2016, they released Eagle Flight and Werewolves Within, 2017 Star Trek Bridge Crew, 2018 Transference, which sounds pretty good. I hadn't even heard of this, but it's a first person like a psychological black mirror kind of escape room game. Uh 2019 Space Junkies, which I a VR arcade shooter I have never, ever, ever heard of. Uh, and then nothing. And now in 2021, they're listing jobs for Assassin's Creed and Splinter Cell VR, have apparently added VR to their in-house engine. So, you know, it's it. I think they're being rational. And it's just sort of sad that like the, a game I like kind of got abandoned. But they're they're clearly interested in VR, kind of keep throwing some money at it, seeing how it goes, reeling back, trying again. <laughs> and they just kind of keep seem to be like poking poking at the market um the one i forgot is uh the next generation dlc that we'll talk about i think that's 2018 right right but there's a splinter cell game there you go it's interesting though because ubisoft they they often do this like they whenever there's new sort of technology or anything new, Mm -hmm. they always sort of jump in don't they with this i mean you know i mean they're on stadia (laughs) but not not many other people are you know with this it's uh yeah they they do seem keen to sort of uh, see what they can what they can develop yeah, and I think, uh, and as we'll get into with sort of the context of this game, Werewolves Within is an interesting comparison point, even though it's a very different game, because both that and Bridge Crew are very related to a, a strain of board gaming. You know, like Werewolves Within is very much One Night Ultimate Werewolf, but in VR, and by putting it in VR, the affordances are so different, it actually is a very different game and very original. Uh, and Star Trek Bridge Crew reminds me of a lot of board games I've played previously that are these sort of real-time cooperative, you know, we're all screaming at each other games. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and you know translating that into and and as we'll talk about those are often more abstract and involve little mini games or something uh to simulate doing engineering you know you, you put together a poker hand or something that's not really related and bridge crew being like well now that we have vr we can just do this like literally we can just have it be like you want to do engineering here you're, you're going to do engineering and and that was really the thing that drew me into wanting to to buy this game in the first place like and and all the story stuff that we discussed earlier didn't but like i saw the glasses half full like i was interested in that kind of co-op uh asymmetric game and with a star trek vibe sure star trek's fun looks cool uh, one of the reasons i sort of driven uh, sort of drawn towards it and that you know i do this may know so i'm a big tabletop gaming fan so i've played you know Star Trek RPG, for example, which is a very different experience, but it does get into the lore of stuff, and, and there's all sorts of tactical. Everyone has their own rule, missions, and sorry, missions, tasks, and roles to, to play, and that's what you know uh, Star Trek Bridge Crew definitely does. It, it just definitely enforces the asymmetric play, which is like everyone has is doing their own unique thing, some more than others, <laughs> uh, and. You know these these we sort of listed some examples of the Starfleet battles, which is a fantastic game, very old, and the Space Alert, which is really fun, but uses um, uh, sort of audio sort of jits, and then and there's Space Cadets, which is incredibly complicated but really good fun, and then there's Space Team, and there's another game called The Captain Is Dead, uh, that's a really really good game, but that's now on the video game version. I interviewed a developer recently for that, and Captain Sonar, which is exceptional, yeah. and of course. And that's where you have a big sort of cardboard screen, and there's two people, two groups of people piloting or driving submarines. They're trying to shoot each other, find each other, then blow each other up. It's hilarious. And then there's a U boot, which uh, uh, U boat, I should say, which is basically um, Daz boot, but in the form of a board game uh, with with an app. Though it uses your iPad for the stethoscope, for the periscope, which is really awesome. You raise it and you sort of spin it around, and you look for your look for the the ships to blow up. Um, and that's really good. So there's a bit of hybrid there, video game and, and board game there for for you both. But um, but uh, video games. I mean, we've got a list here of like sort of similar sort of genre that, that sort of feeds into it. And there's some really interesting sort of crossovers here, Jesse. You've got. I mean, of course, there's Star Trek was the mainframe game I was talking about, which then was transported on, ported onto every microcomputer and from the 80s you could possibly imagine. Um, uh, then there's Space Team. Anyone remember Space Team where that kicked off? That was the mobile one, yeah, where you had to, yeah, mm. yeah where you had to sort of play together and tell each other what to do, and it was chaotic mm-hmm. but great. Chaotic, yeah. It was 2012, nine years. I know. And uh, and FTL was the same year, yeah. And <laughs> I mean, very different games, but they both kind of hit a different part of this, right? And right, Space Team is just pure screaming at each other co-op. Uh, yeah, yeah. Simple. Cross the stuff yeah, it got really stupid and yeah but it's, and then lovers in a dangerous space time really good game really good game very clever um you i'm not sure if you're familiar with this but you look 2d um thing where you're your little characters and you have to sort of like run around a little a sort of sphere spaceship and you have to go around flying around and controlling as a a, a pair of you there's only two of you in, in the ship i've seen two members it's a two-player game isn't it i've played um, a two-player yeah 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 uh, any of you guys played uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time? No, no, I own it because I think it was one of those ones that was given away on everything. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, yeah, never actually got around yeah. to it. 
It's very it's, good. Yeah, very it's good. very fun and has that. I mean, it's interesting. This genre doesn't really have a name exactly, right? That's what I'm no. sort of fascinated by. But they all these things have a lot in common. Of, I mean, Lovers in Space, David Space Time is like halfway between Bridge Crew and Overcooked. Almost. I, I mean, that's very inexact. But like this kind of like co-op where you're trying to coordinate you each have your own task you're trying to communicate while doing a thing you know you're screwing each other up um and and a ship just ends up being often like the perfect venue for it whether a spaceship or a submarine or or sea of thieves which i haven't played but uh i've been curious like some of you have played that there's four roles in Sea of Thieves, right? And obviously there's plenty of other stuff going on in that game that doesn't relate to this, but how do they divide up? Like, is it as asymmetrical as something like Bridge Crew? Is it about that kind of communication? They're not defined roles, are they? In the sense that oh, okay. you you just people just decide what they're going to do, but you're not like, I'm a helmsman, I'm going to deal with whatever, no. you know, with, the, with weapons. Yeah. It's not stationary. Mm-hmm. That's the right. big difference. You know, anyone can do the repairs. Anyone can go off and do, but in, with with Star Trek Bridge Crew, if there's four players, then that's it. That's what you're going to be doing for the next half hour or however long the mission lasts. This makes um, me want to just make like a big Berlin interpretation spreadsheet, like with roguelikes, where I just like, tr- you know, here are the 20 traits of this kind of game. You know, <laughs> Sea of Thieves has 12 of them, so it is whatever. Uh, there are similarities in it working together for a common goal, typically, right? Uh, although when I played Sea of Thieves, it's didn't me towards the end going, it doesn't matter. I just <laughs> turned into a nihilist because um, <laughs> nothing matters. Um, but no, it's it, there are some similarities in that you're on a ship and you have you, for a period you are working together for a common goal, and that's quite alluring. Uh, um, so um, and there's some others here you've got here. There's there's Fail Space VR. Not familiar with this one, but no one is a bit mixed. Um, but Space Team VR, I am familiar with. Yeah, Space Team, only in VR. So they take the concept and the spirit of Space Team and the lunacy of things breaking down quite quickly and then turning it into a VR game. And that came out last year. I interviewed developers, very nice people. It's on Quest and Quest 2 and other platforms, but it's, uh, it's, it's heading, it's, it's starting a Quest. It's very fun. You know, you just got to tweet it just the same, kind of a lighthearted party game more than what we're playing with Space uh, uh, Star Trek uh, Bridge Crew. Um, but you know, it is what it is, you know, it's good, but right. it, it's, it but yeah, good. like so, even I, I, I have not played fail space. It has 32 reviews on steam, so it <laughs> has not succeeded, but I thought it was interesting, right? The description was a co-op crisis solving multiplayer VR game where you have to nurture your fragile mm-hmm. spaceships through the ever changing dangers of space. And it's just interesting to me that like, this is an apple that everyone is trying to take a, like, like bridge crew is maybe the one of the most successful in this vein but i feel like the truly great game of this type has not yet been made and these are all kind of hitting different parts of it to varying degrees of success yeah and i think star trek bridge crew definitely does a really good job in many in many aspects and a poor or non-existent job in others um um so what about the the older titles like star trek uh, Starfleet Academy, Bridge Commander, which I can barely remember playing. Any of you remember experiencing this? I mean, I played a lot of Starfleet Academy um, mm. back when it came out in in ninety seven, and it. I mean, right. it, it's not the same in the sense that it's 
there are tactics involved in that you do have to do things like you sort of manage your power output and you know put shield you know put power into shields or into engines you know similar to bridge crew but it's also very single it's single player focus you could play online multiplayer but only you know you are commanding one ship against other people that are also uh, flying ships which is why i think you know in as the review uh, we have here says, you know, it's more similar to sort of Wing Commander or something uh, in that case. But also it had uh, full motion video as well, because it, it was from that era where we had, uh, like William Shatner was uh, was in it and also uh, George Takai and uh, Walter Koenig, they reprised their roles uh, for this and it, the production values were high uh, for it. It was, I, I mean, I very much enjoyed it. Um, and then uh, Klingon Academy was the follow-up, which, which uh, you know, they... They made it a much more tactical game, but also far less accessible. It was very complicated uh, to try and figure out uh, how to play, and uh, but still, still pretty fun. But again, it didn't have the the cooperative aspect of that. It was you're just you are fully in control uh, of everything. Mm. Yeah, I mean, for me, that era was the, there's a game called um, Star Trek: uh, Birth of the Federation, which is basically oh, Master of Orion. Yeah, it's Master of Orion too. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which is a 4X game, and that's a different, totally different genre entirely. You're building civilization, not not flying a single ship. Um, King on a canopy. I do remember this one, but I never delved into it. Anyone? Anyone experience this one? No. Yeah, again, this was the um, this was the follow up to Starfleet Academy, and uh, right know, where, as I said, where it became much slower and it became uh, yeah more sort of more of a tactical game, but also not accessible. <laughs> cool. Okay, um, so let's let's move on. We've, we've done a lot of background and dancing around and stuff, but uh, let us plow on to you know talking about our personal experience with the game and sort of like we've done that. But the the meets the meat of of Star Trek Bridge Crew, which is the scenario and setting, which is quite interesting. I couldn't place it, James. Don't know about you, but I struggled to see where it was in the timeline of Star well, Trek. I mean, it was it's from the reboot, you know, from the mm. from the film reboot in two thousand and nine, which is why, like the the ship design is a little bit odd, and also you know the interior is also yeah a bit a bit strange as well because it doesn't really fit with uh, with the era as we knew it before. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, so it's set in two thousand nine, as you said, and the, but the players take control of the USS Aegis. Uh, I must explore an unknown part of the space called the Trench, as we mentioned earlier. There's something unique about the USS Aegis, though, isn't there? It's not the average, you know, Starfleet vessel. I'm not sure what class it is. I can't remember what it is. Well, it's a it's an NX ship, which means it's a um, experimental, like it's a, it's right. a prototype. And it's a prototype because it's actually stealth. It's not mm-hmm. doesn't have a cloaking device. Don't calm down, Trek fans. Don't worry. We will not happen when Federation messed with that. Check an episode of the Next Generation for that. It went very badly, but <laughs> very very badly, but. No, it doesn't have a cloaking device, but it does have a lot of technology that's about dampening its image, you know, to make it less detectable. And also it has the ability to to uh, inter- interfere with other people's machinery remotely um, rather than actually attacking weapons arrays. They actually just shut them down. So, sorry, in the background of my head, I'm just laughing as James fires a torpedo out. <laughs> Not detectable. <laughs> James. Not the death of James. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That was awful. I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, that was the wrong button. <laughs> like, oh, God. I was trying to disable the weapons, so I just pressed the button and then it just went. <laughs> <laughs> Fire the torpedo off. Oh, it was not good. 
dearie me. We're, we're coming to that in the gameplay. Yeah. Not there yet. Yeah. The right. buttons it's next a... to other buttons will be a common theme. <laughs> it's it's a credit. It's a credit to the game that we're so excited to talk about it, and I love that. I really do. But that's the setup the scenario. It's a late generation um, spaceship. Not by default. Well, at default initially. We will talk about the, the the DLC later, but uh, as the, the base game uh, has this USS Aegis, so it's your your own separate crew. You've got this own experimental vessel. You're outside the norm. You're not part of the. You get nowhere near the Enterprise and that kind of stuff. But all you know, you're just going off another part of space that the Federation has an interest in, apparently. And the Vulcan homeworld has been destroyed. That's why they're looking for a new home. And uh, so that's the thing. So the art, design, graphics, and technical. Let's talk about this. So, what do we make of the the design? It's very blue, isn't it? It's uh, soothing. I, having not seen any of those later movies, I, mm. you know, I I just took it as it was. I was like, oh, neat. This looks Star Trekky, I guess. And uh, but yeah, it's it's very everything. I mean, especially we'll talk about the other ships, but like it's really shiny and like I don't know. It's like a Mormon cathedral or something. It's just. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the palette is just blue and lighter blue, then cyan, then blue, and then contrasted with the odd shade of yellow and dark red. Um, what, what did everyone else well, think? I, I mean, I think it's ever familiar to, you know, to Star Trek. I think some of that is just the positioning of the seats that you're around and obviously the personnel on the ship wearing the correct colours and whatnot. And everything feels like it is a, a ship from Star Trek. But and I have to say that what I hadn't realised probably first playing it until I got later on in playing both the DLC and um, the original series Enterprise ship, which you can do it kind of in a slightly different mode. I, I feel like they went with the Aegis purely because it makes more sense from a usability standpoint. Um, you know, slightly moderner technology um, from a visual point of view it's easier i think to see what's going on around the ship and navigate on the panels around you etc etc so i think you know if they were going to just pick anything i think they they did the right thing with you know making it maybe not so law dependent although it is encased in some star trek law but not so law dependent where you'd be straight away saying well they wouldn't do that they couldn't do that and i even as someone who's you know, not absolutely entrenched in the law there was times when i my actions on screen i was like man you, that is so not star trek <laughs> like I, they, they, they absolutely <laughs> would not be doing that um and i think it allows you just to take a step back where i found when i was doing those kind of things or even from a visual point of view in in the original series or the next generation i kind of took it a lot more serious in my head because it was like well you know these are more based in law and you know but i think from a visual point of view the aegis makes a lot more sense to a new player going into that world see you know what's fascinating about this is th- this design of the aegis is pretty much as i said identical to the redesign from the 2000 mm. 2009 film which yep. Is actually yep. set in the same era as the original series, and so yes. they they redesigned this, redesigned it for the films, so that it would be more accessible yeah. to people. And it's like <laughs> it's it's carried over to the game mm. as well, which is that that's fascinating. Yeah, the, the fact. And that it that's... has tactile controls mm-hmm. where there, there it it makes sense as a tactile control. So, for example, on the helm, you actually have that handle to press down to to engage the impulse or indeed the, the warp engine. Mm-hmm. Although I mean, it's in it's a very just... weird position, like putting it in the middle of the screen. It's it's very strange, like where they put it. 
Well, the, the handle, you mean, at the end. I'm yeah, well, if, if, yeah. You're at the, if you're at the helm, then yeah, the you, helm, can, yes. you can engage it from there. But then there's yeah. also one right in the middle in front of the captain, yeah. which looks yes! like it should be the one that you're, you're supposed to it use. Is. It's yeah. very strange. You can't reach it. You can try to lean with your foot. Yeah. You know, how the captain's really supposed to. Yeah. It's like kick, kick it into warp. You know, just... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, so, I think that kind of plays into, you know, this this being a single-player game and a multiplayer game. And, you know, ideally, everybody play it multiplayer, but, you know, they want people also to play it single player it's a very different both visual experience you know being the captain and the in the commander of all the stations around you and there's lots of little kind of i don't know what you call them quick shortcuts on, on you know as the captain you can put in but playing as just you know say the helm you know you are locked to that one station and actually so yeah from a visual design point of view i, I love the fact is when it's quite singular and you you kind of take that desk as your own and it all makes sense but actually as a captain in single player trying to control all the environment around you it can you know there's a lot of head movement a lot of kind of it's, visual yeah, it's indication a very different game. of I, what's going on i generally contest that this is two games in one yeah. a little yeah. bit i do generally believe that the two experiences are so different and it feels that the when you're playing on your own it's very similar to the games of old mm. i generally you know it's just all the same same thing same tropes same problems same issues Overwhelming, too much information, spinning plates. Whereas with the multiplayer, uh, no, the, the plates aren't being spun by you anymore. In fact, there were times when I was the captain, I was like, so I just sort sit of like <laughs> you know, to sit here and bark audios and no one's going to listen to. But, yeah, do you do that, Chris? That'll be fine. Right, I, I but that's, fine. I mean, but, to, to go to your point, even about the visual stuff, like, you know, we've all, apart yeah. from you, Chris, like, we all have come on here and said, look, we played it for 20 minutes to an hour. And then left it alone to one side, and I think some of that is the you know the visual information they give you, which is just like there's a lot of you know you go for the tutorial and it's like yeah that kind of makes sense in that kind of way that we all yeah. do like I know this like it's for yeah yeah sure sure and you get into the mate the first mission and then go how do I get over there <laughs> and you you just like I'm I'm hitting buttons trying to go how oh god is there a repeat well, button yeah. of how I actually make this thing move like and it yeah it is a for a game that i feel like once you played a you know a couple of hours after uh, more or a couple hours of like the visual information and the gameplay information just come together in a like a seamless way but that initial kind of like who what where am i it's very jarring which leads me on to leads me on to the graphics and the technical side of the representation of the game itself but Visually, um, the human beings in it, and there are just any human. Well, no, there's that. There's not Spock, who's in it. Not Spock. He isn't, but he looks exactly <laughs> like him. But he's not Spock. Uh, just to be clear, um, the it, it it does suffer from the Ubisoft mannequin uh, syndrome. Um, they can't do people. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're charming. They 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 got an early VR charm to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I I don't think they look amazing when I mean, they're they're functional, no. aren't they? Let's just mm. say those you know, the characters, apart from that one on the the TNG bridge who's staring at you <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> yeah, putting there's there's some and there's um there's one one in the in the Aegis. There's one on the bottom, the blonde woman in the bottom oh, yeah. right hand corner, constantly moaning. <laughs> they, even when there's nothing going on, she goes. Oh, there's some destabilization yeah. in the antimatter container. Which makes you field, go, but... have I got, do I need to go over there and have a look what's going on? And you, you go <laughs> over there and it goes 100% across the board and be like, what? 
where, where, what's going on? Why? I mean, I, I was, I was sitting there at tactical, and I just felt like I was being judged the whole time. She just kept, she kept <laughs> looking over at me. You know, it's like it's not comfortable. Um, you know, sticking with visual, yeah. like I, I, I do really like the fact that you know when the ship takes damage, and the ship will take damage. You know, you can't control everything. You know, I do like the fact that you have mini fires that, that set up, you know, set off in it, and. The further the the voyage happens, you know, y- yes, those fires get extinguished, but you still have the, like the burn marks around the the bridge, like you've been through, you know, the battle as as you know the far on as you can go, and yeah, that that stuff works quite well. We also get yeah. players dying, don't you? Like as you get you get yeah crew members dying, and then they just get beamed out, which <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is happen. very strange. It did happen. That was quite funny. Beamed but to sick that's... Yeah, being to sick like the anim- yeah, but like I said, the animation of them is mm. poor. I'm gonna use the word poor. Sorry everyone, but it's it's just strange mannequins, really. And again, I think it's just the it sounds like a trademark of Ubisoft, like it just can't can't do people. Um but um they can do environments really well, they're really good at that, but the beings that occupy it leave but, a lot to be desired. But... And I have to say, I mean I've just played it on PlayStation Four VR. Um and the game looks, you know, that's probably the, the lowest resolution of, of anything you can probably do. And the game, you know, it, yeah. it looked, you know, really everything was illegible, you know, perfectly, you know, not blurry. It's, you know, it's just, you know, a, a fine, good looking experience and, you know, helped along. Yes. I mean, we talk about sound design, but, you know, so much of that is tied in with the visual design. You know, there's a few of those, you know, sound notes that I just wanted to say oh, I'm not going to do because I embarrass myself. But, you know, that absolutely play with the the visual design you know the, the moment you hear that you know chris pressed the bloody uh the oh, what's the uh, the red button what's that called red red alert. Alert. why am i not thinking yeah the moment you hear that that red <laughs> alert sound go off it just, yeah. it brings every episode of star trek you've ever watched and that you know the whole image dims down to red and it's you know that clearly they have people on the team that are fans of what Star Trek is, and I think when you that goes across the DLC and the original Enterprise, because they are three very, very different feeling ships. Um, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think um, the the it sort of leaders with sort of it edging away or heading towards sort of sound design aspects of and the music, but sound design aspects of Star Trek Bridge, Bridge Crew, um, which is really quite. I think it was quite impressive. The directional sound, but it has to be, mm-hmm. it's VR, right? But I do know who's talking, not because I, you know, even when I'm not looking at them, there'll be the annoying woman in the, to the right, sort of babbling about something. And then it'll be not Spock over to the left. And that, that really, that really worked for me. But um, Jesse, you had some trouble differentiating some of the sounds, didn't you? Oh, only when we were playing multiplayer. I just couldn't get the right. mix between uh, you guys and the game uh, because I think it's because we were going through party instead of the game itself chat or whatever. True. Yeah, but we, we went through we went through party because game itself chat was atrocious. Right. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> oh right, because we kept breaking yeah. up. Yeah, yeah. No, I, that that's. Um, but yeah, I think I mean you know uh, Star Trek. There's there's ten hour YouTube things of just Star Trek engine noise, right? Uh, <laughs> so so there's something and and that's I mean the graphics and sound all together for me are just like this is a nice space to be mm-hmm. in as someone who is a medium Star Trek fan who likes the vibe. Like it it succeeds on that level. And you know when we get to the summer, like it for ten bucks, if you just buy it to just sit in the space like that, it, you'll you'll get your money. Like 
it is a and the different ships have very different vibes to them and i think that yeah the environments but, which ubisoft is good at yeah well, they, put it this they, way i mean I, I i originally started playing this game just sat on a beanbag on the floor because i was like yeah you know e easy enough to do just bring that out and i was like this like this i I'm, I'm sat in this chair like a proper chair here and there's like just does, doesn't there's no compute here it feels like i'm detached from the environment so i had to wheel my desk chair from downstairs from upstairs all the way downstairs put it in the middle of the living room sat down and i was like yes this is it i am now sat in the starship yeah. just at that point james had to stand up yeah james for had to stand for up. the next generation ship because, i did yeah. yeah when i was on tactical yeah. i was like i've got to stand up i've got to do a wolf i've got to be standing here <laughs> Yeah, and we did ask him, to, James, to say censor because yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's required to do that when. But to my point, like the the game is immersive enough. The you know the environments that you're in are immersive enough that if you half-ass the the actual part of you playing it, it doesn't feel right. It feels like you know you need to be kind of sat down on a proper chair in a, the environment that's being detailed to you. But I found that with many VR games where. You know, if you look down, your legs are in a completely wrong place or your arms don't actually tie to your body. They're coming out your chest. It's it absolutely can break the immersion. Um, but in mm. this, yeah, it was, mm. I don't know, it all just comes together really nicely, actually, from a visual point it of view. It really does. really does. I'm going to delve into that. But um, I just think the, the sound design is, is excellent. I'm doing it, the directional sound and the, the sounds they use from the films and very familiar and all of the, you know, the fact that the captain is the only one who can invoke, as right, the only one who can invoke the red alert is just, it, it was a little bit of power I had there. I went, that's the trick. But the problem with the Aegis, when you, when you do that, it does actually increase your signature, which is a problem. But it's also, all you're, all you're doing is you are just t changing the lights. Like <laughs> yes. Where the ones are but actually, it, you know, and you you, putting the shields up. Every single there's player, also a, a klaxon. Player. There's a klaxon yeah. that goes off as well. Come on, mm -hmm. you know. But yeah, the single player does mean more. It does mean a lot more when you do it. But Because uh, then the, the AI then triggers and they do all sorts of weird and wonderful things when you do it. But uh, unlike players who just argue going, don't make it go red. Oh, never mind. Um, what about the music, though? disappointing I, mean, I thought I, it's a bit limp generic. isn't it yeah it, it sounds very sort of generic star trek if that makes any sense it's it's not it's, it's not not amazing it's all of lift music <laughs> but star trek sounding lift music you know what you'd find in a turbo lift you know <laughs> oh, really come on just get, but it doesn't really um uh trigger many emotions apart from it's there it's nice in the background but that's about it i think it should have been more because Star Trek is a lot of it is about music. We yeah. all know that. So it's a bit strange that it's so m muted. Uh, it's a bit strange. But what are you going to do? Uh, so, yeah, not, not a highlight. But the, the, the sound design itself, is, I think, is excellent. Right. Now, we've been dancing around this a lot, uh, this, this show. And I want, uh, I want us all to sort of like delve into this each, really, to talk about the gameplay. And I think we should really tackle the single player first and our impressions of it. So, Tony, tell us, what's your experience with, with the single player game? Because we've spoken about it. Describe it for us first and then maybe we can talk about it. But what is the single player game? So the single player gameplay is a tutorial mission with five missions then thereafter, which isn't a lot of content, <laughs> I have, have to say. Um, but the content is... A varying um, task is what you probably would expect from this. It's either infiltrate an area, hopefully stealthily, and 
remove something from somebody's ship or rescue or beam somebody out from a ship that may be exploding uh, and you are the uh, you know the hero crew coming in or it could be binding yourself one on one with uh, the Klingon Empire trying to destroy the Aegis and you doing your very best to uh, survive that encounter and, and you know get away or a, or a mission for being hunted by many ships with a very damaged Aegis and um, you know having to manage many areas of that um, be it shields and engines and weapons and being able to only jump so many times to get away whilst having a, like a 20 minute countdown timer for instance to to survive those encounters so i think it's probably about as varied as i would expected it to be but i must admit when i realized that i had to finish a single player game i was a bit huh f- five missions is that Five it? missions, wow. And could you sort of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, could you, basically how it works is you're the captain mm-hmm. and you direct people to do things by creating this three-pronged menu system? Yeah, so, four pronged? so from single-player-wise, I mean, you are the captain, you're sat in the middle chair, if, if it's an easy way of describing that people haven't played, you're sat in the middle of the chair, you've got two, you've got the helm, which is steering, you've got engineering, isn't it, too, to kind of in your yeah. visual periphery, and then to your right and left, you've got... Uh, God, help me out. What's the other two? Tactical, tactical so, and... Yeah, so it's tactical. Um, yeah. yeah. No, that's it. Yeah, so that's helm, tactical. Really. So you've got helm and tactical and then yeah. engineering. And then, and the then you as the captain. Um, yeah. And so from a single player point of view, and I think this is probably where, but it sounds a bit, we all kind of got a little bit stumped, is that as the captain, obviously you are trying to organise the entirety of your team to do as you say. So a simple scenario would be, okay, we need to get to a ship over there that is going to explode in the next five minutes and we need to beam these people off. So from at the very start, it's like, well, let's you know, navigate to that ship. But then they they kind of put that there's lots of little kind of quick orders that you can do. If you look over to the direction of, say, Helm for this scenario, there should be a bunch of quick orders, which is like, you know, um, as an engage ship or analyze ship. And in theory, that then takes you over towards that direction. But actually, the AI isn't the greatest we found out when playing the single player. And quite often, it it can either not register what you've just asked it, or it can drive or navigate directly into a a solid object in space and kind of get (laughs) stuck. And you're like, really? Um, So what happens, uh, well, I found what happens is Relying on the AI just to do the bidding of, of the captain doesn't really necessarily pan out, apart from really when kind of like weapons and stuff. I think that's kind of, it just knows to, to shoot at things. Um, so you end up having to jump. And you and one of the things I think I like about this is that you can jump between being the captain to the helm and engineering and tactical, and you can um, essentially do those roles yourself. So you're jumping from station to station. And that can be both a positive and a negative in my experience. It it can be a positive from the fact that it's like, wow, I'm actually, you know, navigating the Aegis here and this this is really fun. But at the same time, if I've got a problem in, you know, engineering, I'm I need to be over at that station. And if I've got a problem over to the and you find yourself kind of being like um I don't know, the the user of many but the master of none in that scenario. And and as the captain you're trying to do all these things and it's it's quite daunting, and I think the first hour of gameplay 
they do a reasonably job, good job, but the moment if you have that one, it's like all games, you have that one tutorial that if you slightly just skip over, you're like, where, how am I doing that? And that's a very different experience in, in multiplayer, but, you know, how did, well, James, how did you get on with the single player in particular? Um, I See, I also, I felt disappointed um, when we got to, you know, because of how few missions there are, and the fact that I mean, they're basically designed to prepare you for the ongoing voyages and for playing it online. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, pretty much. That's what it feels like it's 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 for. And that's why I felt disappointed, because I just thought, okay, well, the, the gameplay variation here is not great. Like, there's not a lot of things that you're doing here. There's, you know, there's not a lot of, like, scanning, really. You know, you're not sort of going to other areas and doing research or anything like that very much. And I, I felt disappointed about that. And I also... As you said, the, the helmsman is the big problem in this mm. game because uh, the AI is so bad. <laughs> it, it's really, really terrible. You know, just, just flying into things, you know, left, right, and center. The power management is fine though. Like engineering, that works. That works generally okay. But uh, yeah, I found the yeah, tactical and um, the helm almost. Yeah, you have to take control of them all the time, which kind of you know, defeats the point really. If you're having to sort of stand over someone's shoulder constantly and tell them what to do, it's uh, you, you've definitely got problems with the AI, AI in that case. What about you, Jesse? What, how did you found a single player? And, uh, I mean, I I bounced off it that first time for, I think, just that reason of, like, if you're going to play this game single player, you have to understand every role. And it was just, yeah, it was too daunting. Um, whereas, mm-hmm. you know, then going back to it, um, I think it's, yeah, the, the problem is this game is really trying to serve two masters, where the single player stuff is feels overly complicated but also the the game multiplayer feels like it's been oversimplified so the single player is doable right and and yeah you can you can jump between the characters you can you can issue these kind of system-wide things of like uh you know uh what's the one of just lower our you know lower shields uh, lower torpedoes yeah reduce signature yeah reduce signature um and once you understand how these things interact and once you learn to take over a helm anytime you're near any rocks or anything it works fine but and one thing right was that it used to and i don't think any of us had a chance to use ibm watson right in uh for 2017 2018 uh you could do voice commands as captain and i remember uh seeing that when i first logged into it and just being like uh, I have no idea what I would do. Like, <laughs> like the problem with that is you need to you. It, it's already hard enough with mm. the menus in front of you to know what you're doing. To be able to do it by voice command, you have to have already internalized all those menus. So I was just absolutely not going to do that. But now I would love to. I mean, people had very glowing reports on on that, and certainly being able to shout out, you know, operations, power to shields, or whatever. Out? Uh, they had to pay money for right. it. It was an experimental feature, <laughs> you know. Just the Ubi, like you know, the Ubisoft pokes at the thing and then they run away. Um, <laughs> and uh, but right, I mean, that seems like it was actually kind of intended to be the true mode of of playing it single player was doing it through voice commands, and that's that's neat. And I admire them for you know taking a swing at it. But but yeah, isn't it weird though? Like I. I think with a single player, it's all over the place for for a couple of reasons. One, it's daunting to start off with. And I think that's okay. If you're going to walk into this, then maybe that just is one of those things you have to get over. And eventually you do once you put yourself for it. But like, it's equally daunting and incredibly shallow at the same time. 
And by that, I mean like, okay, they want you to use this as a training course to play on, uh, you know, to play online. But surely with like the five missions, you kind of get the feeling, okay, I can play the captain and I understand aspects of each one of these roles. But in the single player, why didn't they just go, okay, well, here's the scenario. You're just playing Helm for this one. And actually, you know, for what all that takes, you know, one of the missions you'll play engineering and for all whatever that is. You know, and just embrace the fact that they have these different areas. Like, yes, I get the the power fantasy of playing the captain of one of these ships, but if your real, you know, drive is to get people to to stick with this game in the long run via its multiplayer, like I wouldn't have dreamed really. I think of just going, oh well, I've done five levels. Let me just try out the wild west of the multiplayer because in my head. I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to get something slightly wrong with my, you know, limited knowledge here, and it's going to go, you know, I don't know. Just it, just once again, maybe it's because I'm older now, and that is, you know, my experience of online the last few years has been rocky if I don't play with friends. But I feel like they could have done a better job of actually single player wise of setting up each one of those stations, and then and maybe then, you know, allowing you to be captain at the very end of it after 15 missions and really understanding and, and pushing you very, very hard on the captain's role. Or is that just me? I don't know. No, that makes perfect sense. That That's kind of the experience I had when I played it on stream with the people from, from the Cruise Game Show, because I'd only really played it as captain. And mm-hmm. so I was acting as captain in that, and then the others were taking on the other roles. And, you know, I mean, I was, I mean, it worked for the stream, but I was having a go at, like, Matt in particular for, like, not for not you know steering the ship properly <laughs> not doing things correctly and then later on when i had to go myself i was like actually this is quite difficult like it's actually quite complicated if you've never seen this before mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's yeah they, they absolutely could have done a much better job of uh, like teaching systems because you know the first the, you know the first couple of missions really don't give you any idea of how they work and you get that in particularly when you ship to other ships as well and the interfaces on some of those, I mean, we'll probably maybe get onto the original series one, are baffling, yeah. like, to begin yeah. with, and it takes quite some time to figure them out. I think, um, for, for, speaking for myself and the single-player experience, I definitely felt it was, a, it was like a training or, like, um, for you understanding how the systems work. It is a game in of itself, absolutely, and it does have a beginning, middle, and end, absolutely, I think. Um, but... Um, you're right. It's, if you open up the game, it actually defaults to multiplayer. It's like you're assuming mm. you are going to play this multiplayer. You have to tell it, no, I'm going to play this on my own. This is a solo game. It's like fourth down the menu. You've got to, got to dig it out. It's not the default. is assuming it's multiplayer. And uh, that's quite telling. And that's, But it does have very, very extensive tutorial. The only problem with it is it's very extensive in that it really goes into detail about each system. And it describes to you and tells you to do things, and it's very hard to retain yeah, I think knowledge each, because you're each not. Point's got fifteen not, different lessons yes. to have. Yeah. Yes, and I did go through yeah, them I because I wanted to make sure. But just can't remember. They can't retain the information because you're not doing. It then really tells you what to do, and it's not the you know. So it's the classic of uh, you know, uh, without, without actually experiencing it and sort of learning from your mistakes and successes. It's difficult to actually get any traction. Well, I mean, there, there is a part of me that likes that. Like, there is that part of me that, mm. you know, after four hours of game, I'm looking back at the, you know, my, my kind of walking into this going, oh, God, this is daunting. And actually, you know, by the end of the game going, oh, that was, you know, real fun. I wish there was more 
more here. But then at the same point, I think it was it Jesse you you were saying in our Slack, you know, like you know, actually when you you look at the game, there's so much more they they could have done with it. Like you know, you're raising shields in different parts of the ship. You know, for instance, you know, you know, fire phases this way or whatever it may be. You know, that stuff is. It feels like it's there, but it's yeah. like really stripped back and streamlined, and it feels like that would be fine for maybe the first I don't know half dozen levels, and then as the game would have opened up, they could have said, "Oh, what?" But if you are going to play, you know, this you know tactical, then you need to also know these for the multiplayer, which would have been I don't know. Maybe that would have been too daunting if eventually you got into multiplayer and not known those systems. But it felt like the game was grasping at so many things and didn't quite pull anything oh i did pull it out because i enjoyed yeah, it but it's... it's it's more complicated than complex is kind of what it came which because it's so much fun to play around with the ui is i think actually not necessarily a bad thing as it is in so many other games but ultimately right once you kind of like it is daunting and then you master like this crazy touchscreen and like you understand how all these things work and and there's a real genuine enjoyment in that but but right once you get to that point it it feels like it kind of levels off where you're like okay i understand how this how tactical works i understand what all these buttons do but there's not this other level where it's like okay now i need to think about what helm and operations are seeing and you know do things based on that of this other kind of like we're one enormous organism that are all working, you know, in in tandem in this very complex way. I think pretty much you kind of you do your thing and the other person. And th- this gets back to the captain problem, where because the game needs to work single player for the captain in multiplayer, the captain often has very little to do, uh, other than like tell us. Well, what it your depends if you are. respected your captain or not. If you don't respect your captain, <laughs> you're not going to listen to him. But I, I've I've watched some, uh, I guess, role play videos of of this being played, you know, by YouTube. And it's actually when people really, like, really get into their roles on this game, it is fascinating to kind of watch that role play play out how the captain's word is, you know, absolute. Like, we are, I want you to take us on that heading, you know, and, you know, people don't talk back. It's go on that heading. And then, you know, and to my point, yeah, I know this is going into multiplayer, but to, to the point of where, like, I said to Chris, like, I'm not, I am not going until you say engage. Because like that, like I want you to to do, play the captain's role. I want to feel like I'm I'm the person kind of being given the orders. But at, yes, and the response is typically yes. Yeah, make just, it go, just make go, it go, but, go, make it go. But, you know, in the single player, like all of that is on you as as the captain. Like yes, all those errors are on you. And I think some of that probably then bleeds out to us all knowing exactly what we're doing in in the multiplayer. Like oh, we'll just do that. Come on, Chris. Come on. Do you not remember this? Come on. Um, yeah, yeah. Then the problem is, is that you you master the controls and you've as a crew you start to work together very well, but yes. then the actual missions you're playing are not often terribly interesting, which is the problem. And there's not what I felt was the problem with this is that there's no there's not really any tactical depth at all to what you're doing, and you've got with Star Trek you've got an entirely massive rich history of of like space battles and things that you could you could recreate here i mean why not recreate you know some, for example like a battle from the undiscovered country you know tracking cloaked ships or something like that you know using your sensors to have to you know do something like that would be much more interesting whereas most missions do just end up with okay we got we got to shoot some people and uh, then you know scan something and then send uh, you know transport it somewhere that's it that this, this, that's the biggest problem I had with the game overall is that you know 
the fun really is as you as you said Jesse like it's it's interacting with the systems that's really fun it's it feels so good to do that but actually when you start to get down to what you're the purpose of why you're doing that there's not much there and that's that's what's a shame yeah. that it hasn't been expanded beyond that and i think the captain's role if if that stuff was there then the captain being the one person who has access to what all three other people are seeing would become incredibly important Mm. Right. And that's kind of the ideal version of this game. And I think you get some of that with some of those more complex board games like Captain Sonar or Space Cadets, where really, yeah, the the one person who's kind of coordinating everything actually has an impossible task of just like, you know, there's so many vectors. And yeah, this just doesn't have that many vectors. Like there's uh, it's fairly straightforward in a lot of what you're wrestling with which is a lot of fun and is kind of the comedy of us playing it and you guys playing on TCGS is just like basic competence. Mm-hmm. Um, and like there's, there's a good 10 hours of fun in just getting to the level of basic competence. <laughs> but like once you do, right, there's not that where, again, we're like this four or eight armed, you know, organism that is just mind melded and like yeah. knows da 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 No, it's like, yeah, I do my thing, you do your thing and we're going to be fine. Yeah. And I think uh, what Tony was talking about, like, the only place you could go then is actually, well, you deep dive into the world itself and you respect the chain of command and you actually do say, I'm going to steer the ship because that's my job, damn it. And, you know, I'm not, I'm a helmsman, not a doctor. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. Um, you could, and that's, that's a place you could go and, and that's fine if you want to do that. But for those of us who are more... Um, inclined to play video games rather than a role-playing game so to speak um, but it happens to be a video game then there's it's a bit shallow uh, the the tactical engagements are like you say you go into an area you scan it try not to blow up run away from a ball cube <laughs> <laughs> then then scan then blow a thing up then or, or you might actually i mean it sounds really i mean when you're describing it it sounds really fun but and it is, but there's not the, the interaction you have with the world is very limited. You can't hail any ships of any. You have to receive hails, mm-hmm. which is a bit annoying. Would be nice to have a preset dialogue, like a dialogue wheel that you could have had and hailed a ship, like a. But you don't. They have to hail you, and you have to just react to them. You don't talk to them in any way, apart from the woman who's moaning about things. In the bottom yeah, right hand you, corner. You do have um, other ships alongside you, don't you? But they're you know, they're fighting yeah. alongside you and you have no control, they're just doing what they're doing. And that like you say, in a single yeah. play, that would have been yeah. fascinating to say, Okay, can you go, you know, can I just bring up that, you know, on the whatever on the on the map, just say, Well, I want you to position yourself over there. It it just never gets to that that depth. It's I mean, imagine no. that that could absolutely have been something that could have been there for the captain to do as well. Mm-hmm. It would have been like engaging in like diplomacy or conversation. You know that you know he, everything would be on him in that case or her. You know whoever's who's yeah. playing it. You yeah. know as, you know if you end up in a fight, it's absolutely the captain's fault. You know because of the responses yeah. or whatever they, that they've was, given. That was a that, that was a missed opportunity that they could have easily done. Mm. That's the one perplexed by. Like they could have put that in. But... One one of the more interesting modes though is actually probably the ball cube mode that they added in later because that does have the like the added extra of like you have to sort of walk between systems to pick up weapons the whole point yeah. is then you know combine them to then destroy the ball cube and that's i mean that's about as far as like you know different sort of mission design as you get in the game but at least they tried yeah they tried to do something maybe a little bit different within the, the limits that they set themselves mm-hmm. but then also i mean that's that's why also if you look at these like 
the like the TNG expansion that came to this. Again, the thing that was enjoyable about that is learning the new systems and learning how the systems work. Not really the missions mm-hmm. you're engaging in at all. It's uh, it's just yeah. fascinating to suddenly you've got operations which does it what seems to be everything you know like on the yeah. ship and it's yeah. quite daunting you know to <laughs> suddenly have that. Yeah, Jesse. So let's <laughs> let's talk about that. I think yeah we're we, we're going to talk about this because I think the Aegis is the default ship everyone. So the base game has the Aegis. That's your and it's the, like I said it's, it's stylized after the 2009 um, Enterprise. So it looks like very bright blue. Everything's bright blue and shiny and bit of chrome here and there big, but generally big, chunky right. friendly fonts and yes yeah. big big fonts so you can read everything from five miles away it's awesome but then um they've they've added some things i mean they added the original constitution class is it um what's the original yeah so the constitution class yeah constitution class um enterprise uh, with the 1960s flashy crystal buttons which you can't read um, let's talk about it now. I think it's because it's just the last we played it as a group, um, and we were playing. We decided to let's have a look at the original series, and uh, it's what <laughs> it's, um... <laughs> it's one of the greatest pieces of art ever put into video. I mean, it is, it is a sweeter mind boggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, I love it's it all... so much because it is like a prank. Uh, of, not, but yeah. but. It it just like like the 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 Aegis is, I'm fascinated. Sorry, I'm trying to like collect my thoughts because I'm so That's excited so to talk excited. about this. Yeah, I guess. Good. but yeah, I am fascinated by sci-fi UI, right? Just that combination of like imagining you have infinite technology, so you can do whatever you want, but you are limited by where our brains are at now, right? And the Aegis definitely feels like post iPhone. Right. Like this is a Star Trek ship that was clearly conceived of by people who have had exposure to smartphones. Um, and then you go back to basically the original Enterprise ship. And, you know, the first Star Trek is like two two years before uh, Dengel, Douglas Engelbart uh, debuts the mouse and some other, you know, things in the mother of all demos in 1968. And it's just yeah, it's just lights and buttons. switches, man. And, it, and is, off. it is the most incomprehensible <laughs> and and like you look at it and the thing is is it's it's not even bad 60s ui which is bad enough but it's like a ui that was never meant to be used by actual people that was just like in the show star trek it's like well it's a ship it's complicated and lots of lights and buttons uh what do they mean eh? Um, and then you actually have to sit down and try to operate an incredibly advanced starship through like if you want the thing to turn left or right, I think there's just like a button that's like rotate left. Uh, Fox's and... glacier fruits all over the table, and they're flashing at you, going, "Yeah, there you go." I, I love the just idea. Well, that was the problem I had with the shields. You know, it's like I, you, you, it's, it's a switch that you flick, and it's like, is it on or is it off? Like the, the color doesn't change, like on the you know to show whether it's on or off. And I was so like, oh, this is on. I honestly think it would be worth it for like if you're working for like a, a, a UX firm, a firm that does computer, you know, interface design or whatever, like it would be worth it to buy four PSVRs and this game <laughs> and have your employees play the original Aegis for like five hours just for the punchline of going into the original Trek ship. And like all of your employees will never make any of these mistakes again for the rest they'll be so traumatized it's the idea that they've uh, invented warp drive but they have an on and off switch for it you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, just. 
But but one great thing, and I don't think we mentioned this about, but in any mode, if you hit a button, you get like a help overlay, mm -hmm. which is like AR, right? You get, and it is absolutely impossible to play the original Trek ship uh, without just having this constantly yes, you, on. Yes, you, you, you have to have it. Right. True. I mean, just... I brought it on. I still was. I said, I'm still confused as to like, yeah. what we're supposed to be doing here. It's uh, crazy. But you get all these like word balloons essentially floating in space in front of you. And like as part of the whole experience, I actually like that's part of the fun for me was just this, uh, you know, absolutely ridiculous uh, fantasy UI that no sane person would ever yeah, use. Yeah, but and, give yourself 10 yeah. hours and online and you, you become the master at it. That must be pretty good, right? No button yeah, press, yeah. you just... Oh yeah, you would. You, you just buttons, know yeah. that the red red button on the bottom right. right hand corner there. That's totally steer right. Of course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Mm. Yeah, I'm not labelled in any way. Just... <laughs> that's the funny thing with this game is that's where the skill ceiling actually is. It's not in a complexity of tactics or communication. It's no. look if you want to get really good at this game, go into the original Trek <laughs> mode and like just learn all these buttons. The, like yeah, that's the the fun great of it thing all. about that is though when I first loaded up the game, I was like, oh, so I'm I'm not. I'm not on the Enterprise. That's disappointing. Yeah. Like th that was my honest thought. I was like, oh, that's really disappointing. So there's this new ship. Oh, fine. And they don't give you access to that until you've kind of gone through the single player. And then you can do these kind of like, I guess, are they procedural generated missions? And then, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. you, you yeah. jump into the Enterprise and go, good God, imagine if this, <laughs> imagine if this was the game, how it launched like this. I You'd, know. Like, yeah. Oh my God. And, and in some respects, like the next generation is like the halfway house between the right. ages yeah. and the original. It's which makes sense, absolute mm. sense. Of course it is. Of course it is. So <clears throat> I'm glad you brought it up, Tony. But um, I'll let you flow through. But I just want to bring that in: is that there's there's two ships in the base game, and then you get the DLC. I'm not sure the what's the, what the no that was in the base game, isn't it? Original series, yeah, yeah. Um, and, like eight yeah. pound. So DLC. DLC is eight quid, apparently. I can't remember how much I paid for it, but um, it's it's the only DLC for the game, just to be clear. Um, but um, it's quite, it's not bad. I think it's pretty good value because you do get a completely new ship. You get, you know, if you're captain, you get creepy nonce Spock sitting right next to you. He's just really far too close. He's no personal space issues whatsoever. Um, but um, it is the, 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 the deck of the Enterprise. Enterprise i think uh and uh yeah it's um it's there you're sitting in those plush sort of 1980s uh <laughs> leather sleets and uh, with wood paneling everywhere <laughs> and strange and it's just uh, i mean the the, the, the the palettes change from cyan and blue to to brown just lots and lots of brown but purple um, and orange a, a lovely yeah, yeah. What, what do you think of it, Tony? Because you were about to delve into it, but then we'll go into well, from, from a, everyone else. From a multiplayer experience, I thought it was interesting to jump from the ages to that and, you know, mm. having to mm. relearn your role and actually realising stuff that you had as, you know, one part of the, the team of four, not no longer being a part of your station and being elsewhere. It's that's, I mean, listening to James basically being put on, was it tactical? Um, yeah. And then yeah. you're like... Well, I, I literally have two buttons. I can fire torpedoes and phasers, <laughs> and that's it. Like, you need to put me in range. Like, I, I, what do you want from me? And we're like, well, just do the thing. I don't have the button for the thing. Like, Jesse. Yeah. It turned out that Jesse had everything to do with the ship. Like, it was I mean, insane. I, 
that was bad design. Yeah. That that the operation station is bad design. The fact that it goes on to two pages <laughs> and you have to look between them is an indicator that you kind of overcompensating. Yeah. Apparently, they got a lot of uh, complaints about like operations didn't have enough to do, <laughs> and uh, they definitely fixed that. Um, but from a from a but from another point of view, what a missed opportunity that it is. There wasn't any single player content. Like they they you know you're not playing. Anything no. from generate like you're okay. You're on the ship and you can do the. But you know where was that kind of like? Oh, I've spent my money and you know here's that experience. You are Picard. Like you you're doing these things. And it just yeah. It it was just a skin in the end of a new kind of design and and that's fine I guess. But it probably goes more to the fact of how much this game sold and you know the how much money they're willing to put on it. But it seems like a massive missed opportunity that you know I wanted to be on the next generation and I was but only in kind of spirit and not soul. Well also I, I mean right. you're still just fighting pirates and stuff like yeah. that there's no you know it's yeah. Uh, yeah it's that that is disappointing I thought. I would bet a large amount of money that this was a contractual obligation <laughs> because it was licensed, right? Not that they didn't I think they actually they saw it as like this is our chance to, this is probably the last thing we're going to do with this game. You know, this is our chance to sort of add some interesting tactical stuff to uh, operations and, and try some interesting things. Like uh, now tactical can, you know, there was that precision firing thing where like if you fire like almost like a rhythm game, right? If you get the phasers in the middle of the little thing at the right time, you do a lot more damage. So they had some neat ideas. And yeah, and the, and the two added ongoing missions are probably my favorites of the ongoing missions, the, the Borg Cube and the Patrol, uh, which are very, very uh, horrifying and very kind of chill. Um, but yeah, I, I think they were just like, well, this is, we, we, we've signed a contract that says we have, we're going to do this. So but from a know, role point, point of view, I mean, this, this game is fantastic when things are just all syncing up. So, we, so in that scenario with our multiplayer session, you know, the ball queue came in and the initial kind of thing is like, well, it's a ball cube. Like you can't take down the ball cube. It's too big. Well, it, it turns out you can, but not when you don't have your weapons all up and repaired because you've just come for a fight, which led us having to essentially jump from, well, sector to sector to sector. So, you, you know, Jesse could get all those things back up and running so we could actually have a standard chance of, of taking down the Borg. And, you know, it was touch and go, actually, towards towards the end. But, you know, it brought some laughs. It brought some, you know, camaraderie as well. It was it was a fun experience to kind of have all that stuff played together. And, you know, Chris Barkholders and us just basically not listen, <laughs> um, you know, talking. Well, offering suggestions. Like, well, that's a good idea, Captain. We'll take it under advisement. Let's just carry on like, doing what know, we're doing. And also in some of the missions as well, you know, if you could just take us close to the ship, well, it's about to explode in about 30 seconds. I don't think it's a wise thing. Yeah, but there's like, we don't have 30 seconds, Chris. I'm just going to take us up here. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, maybe it, that was fun because it's with your friends. But could you imagine doing that with randoms? I know, Chris, you have played with randoms. Yeah. So what was that experience? Mm -hmm. You know. <laughs> There's a community. Um, it it, it was well, as with any um random thing. Um, it's it's it was mixed, but not as it didn't get the abusive fourteen year old screaming at me. Uh, I did have lots of international people, a lot of, lot of Scandinavians like this game. Uh, and uh, just very uh officious. I think the most uh, memorable one I had was they would just refer to you as your position, like helm, take us there tactical engage and they they wouldn't 
you know, that's 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 really quite interesting how because we didn't know yeah. each other, they didn't talk called by a name, they just say, Helm, uh, take us to that bearing, uh, uh, that heading, and we'll just go that way and, uh, you know, please avoid. Uh, and uh, and uh, I've, I've spent most of my time actually multiplayer is probably in tactical and Helm. Never went in engineering, but because I, you know, day job. But <laughs> just, you know, just don't want to be typecast. So, uh, but I've, I found the most satisfying uh, t- position to play is definitely Helm. Uh, I just find the, um, the, the interface so, well, excluding the original Enterprise, because um, that's just bonkers. <laughs> but I just found the whole sliding thing of steering uh, was really lovely. And the fact you had to look up, eventually you get you get used to all these things. You stop looking down at your panel. You're just looking up all the time at the main viewfinder and just flying around, and that was lovely. It's very one. Uh, one very thing I should do to it, like we talked about this kind of asystematic experience, but it really it really mm. can be. Um, obviously the single player, it's you are you know jumping around between stations, but just just playing that one station, you do get really quite. I don't know, sucked into that that singular yeah. environment. So I had this thing when I'm, I'm, I was running um, the helm and I'm going, right, what I want to do and what Chris is asking me to do is go over there. And I'm looking and going, we are going incredibly slow. Like, why are we going so slow? Like in, in the game, I'll just pump it up to 4,000. That's not going to leave a, any trace. We're not going there. So I'm looking and going, yeah. but I've only got one blip. So I'm going, what's going on? And, and eventually, of course, it's, it's, I'm like, right. Okay, well, who's, your job. who's yeah. actually got power to the engines to why do we not have power to the engines and yeah yeah having that kind of that that tie and that link between people it's like oh actually i i need you know four what are they called in nodules and they all oh yeah something like that you know i need four four nodules on my on my engines can i have that there and you're like well it's actually on on shields right now because we you know we need that because we're yeah. being hit like okay well can i at least have two because you know at the moment we're taking damage and i need to be away and when that stuff works and it it being in VR, and I'm sure as a 2D experience, this just wouldn't feel the same. But being in VR, looking over, you know, studying down that thing, trying to get away, having the map floating in front of you, you know, having your hands kind of moving around the screen right in front of you and feeling like they're somewhat tangentially attached to your body. It's pretty <laughs> good, right? It is. It is. I mean, I remember seeing James looking at his console and just, just looking at confusion. <laughs> like, what am I supposed to do? It was the operations one. It's ridiculous. Like I said, it's on two screens. It's like, yeah, yeah it's insane. And then the captain on the generation, I don't think we mentioned this. You get an iPad. You get an iPad. <laughs> and it's just like this little pad thing. You end up punching away at things. It's not great. I prefer the Aegis um, sort of like projected screens, hollow screens that lovely much more. Uh, much more in tune with where we would think the future would be, but uh, no, you get an iPad, which is nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, I did like. I mean, just to, to listen, you need to understand that when you're sitting it, you it is all FPS. You're, there's no third person. The only way you see yourself is through other people's eyes, so to speak, and you see all of them. And when they're interacting with the consoles, you see that real time. You see them do that. You see them move their hands and pressing the buttons, and it's it's quite a sight to see, and it does help immensely with the immersion. It really does to show that yeah, they really are trying to increase power to the engines. They genuinely <laughs> are, you know, and it's just it's fantastic. And that that for that, you know, so I think this is leading us quite neatly on to our to our final thoughts. 
for a game that I actually played for 20 minutes and kind of just said it wasn't for me, like I'm not ready, I, you know, I don't know what I was expecting, but, you know, this it just seems too much. To actually walk away from it this week and, you know, really actually quite liking it, you know, really digging what it was trying to do. I think it's got, you know, shortfalls for sure. Like, you know, I don't, it's, it's not, you know, say it's, it's complex without being super complex, but, you know, it's feels limited by its scope in some instances, but also too bold in, in others. Um, I think from a single player experience, they just needed more content. They needed a variety of missions. I'm, I'm stealing everything from everybody here, so enjoy. <laughs> but no, it just like, it needed that, a reason to be in that world in the single player. And, you know, a, apart from mission four, which you know, we didn't talk about, but that's a mission that is a difficulty spike out of hell for me. Um, it took me a while to actually understand how to get through that. Like you, you tend to breeze through the rest of the missions first time, even though you're trying to learn the systems. Um, and from the multiplayer point of view, yeah, I only haven't played it huge amounts, but it it's fascinating. And um, you know, I've played other other games like uh, Rec Room and stuff like that in VR, where you know it tries to put you in this kind of social interaction with people, you know, other people in the world, and and that stuff kind of has worked okay. But I think um, Bridge Crew is the first time I've, I've found myself in VR actually actively kind of, you know, enjoying other people's presence within that, that game because, you know, it feels like, you know, they are actually there and they are engaged with me in a kind of a more, I don't know, significant way other than just kind of walking around a world. So, yeah, I I really ended up liking Bridge Crew a lot more than I thought it was going to. And, it, and it's, I think the sign of a good game is like, I can see myself, going back to this after the show's been recorded, um, just messing about with some of the, you know, I haven't done everything in next, the next generation DLC I, I purchased and I'd love to be able to crack the Enterprise, but I feel like that may be a step too far, to be honest. Um, but overall, yeah, no, I I, I really liked it. Like, I'd give it a solid seven <laughs> if, we, <laughs> if we were there. But no, we don't do scores here, but you know what I mean. We don't you know, do scores, It'd probably no. be the same mark as my Star Trek knowledge. There you go. Yeah, yeah, sixty-eight percent. Jesse. Um, yeah, I ended up also. I mean, I I knew I would enjoy this once we got to play it multiplayer yeah. because the the immersive experiential aspects of it, like that's as I said, I really enjoy this whatever this genre is in board games. I, I teach Space Alert in my board games class, and that's always one of the highlights. Uh, Space Cadets and and uh, Captain Sonar are all fascinating games I haven't gotten to play enough of because, you know, they require these multiplayer teams, uh, and they're fairly complex. But when you get them firing on all cylinders, it's, it's an amazing genre of game with, like, unlimited potential. Um, but the difference is, like, all of those are abstracted, right? All, as I said, like they all, you know, if you're in engineering, there's a mini game and it involves like Tetris pieces and <laughs> whatever, right? There's some, and that's what they would have to do for a board game. And and while this is maybe less strategically interesting, the the literalness is is wonderful, right? The fact that it is just like, no, you have this panel like you would and you're, and right, th this game does not work. You could play it with the DS4 controller, uh, and you could probably be as efficient with that ultimately uh, if you got used to it, but why bother? It's the same with the not VR. Like this is entirely about the joy of playing around with sci-fi UI um, and being in a room with other people on this cool spaceship. And it is as as tactically intricate 
as it kind of needs to be for as far as it went. And I think the only, the main flaw of this game is just the scale of like, you know, wrong place, wrong time, or just that if this had sold 5 million copies, you know, if other circumstances it has no control over were in different places, <laughs> I could see this game having many interesting expansions that would answer, like even the next generation one, like operations. I really enjoy the new operations. It's fascinating. It's kind of FTL, like you have crew members, you're sending towards different locations where you can give different systems buffs and stuff like that. Um, and that very much points towards if this game had had the opportunity to keep going, you know, you could have directional shields, you could have more interesting missions, you could have all of this stuff, um, because it's a very strong framework for all of it. And it just kind of died on the vine to some extent, and it is what it is. Um, but yeah, if you can, as I said, if you can pick this up cheap on sale, just for the sheer experiential being on the different ships and playing around with stuff and futzing around with the missions and stuff, I think it'd be worth it if you if if the vibe appeals to you at all if you can get a crew of people together uh this is a very good time and and maybe eventually it'll become too samey but as i i don't we didn't get to the point of like basic competence i don't think <laughs> and like in a good way right like we could all play this for another five sessions before yeah. we were like yeah we we basically have this down and there's not much more you know to get out of this um and yeah i in this long line of games like this, I hope someone takes another serious bite at this apple soon. Maybe there will be a, you know, Star Trek Bridge Crew 2 or something, you know, once VR does scale up to the point where that is uh, makes financial sense for Ubisoft. James, what, what's your final sort of summary of it? It's a bit similar to Jesse's, actually. Well, that that's the thing. I mean, you, you've said pretty much yeah. everything I've <laughs> said about, about it because, I mean, I, I really just feel this is a game of of just there's so much potential here there was so much that you know so many directions you could go with this and it is a bit of a shame that it is it does feel rather limited in 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 many aspects but it's still absolutely worth playing and when you when you start to play you know as a team that's where the fun is uh, from this it's not really you know the missions and that it's it's learning the systems it's learning to interact with each other as well and sort of work together it and it does that i think probably better than any other vr game that i've ever played i i think it's tremendous uh, you know for that and I just wish that they would, as Jesse said, have another go at this, you know, just uh, with some more content. Yeah, um, maybe they will. Maybe some other game, another some other genre, maybe not in Star Trek. Maybe they'll do it in Alien, where you're just tugging some oil refinery. No, bad idea. <laughs> but <laughs> that ended badly. Puff of the cat. The cat was perfectly fine. Um, yeah, for me, um, it is... A wonderfully realised concept, a wonderful representation of something that's very familiar to many, many millions of people across the world. The, the idea of sitting behind a console, jabbing buttons at a flashing lighting box, which up until now was meaningless. Up until now, it was just an actor pretending to do it. Finally, after, you know, it, it becomes real. It becomes not real, but <laughs> it actually did something. You actually did interact. You did. And that's the draw for me. The problem is that they didn't follow through. It, they got the environment and the interaction and the, and the whole like, machine working with four people. It's really hard doing very different jobs. Um, one of whom is actually just telling other people to do the jobs. 
you know, it's it's it, for the ultimate goal. We've actually don't I mean the most questions I've got as captain is what are we doing here? You know, that's 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 a buy because I'm the only person who knew what we were doing there. But they got all that fine, but they didn't follow through with the actual depth of missions and interaction with the world itself. So you, your machine, your ability to actually interact with the machine is fantastic, and that's great. But the actual world outside, beyond the starship itself, was limited, very plain, and and uh, it, they didn't really take it. They could have gone extraordinary places, but for some reason, I think it looks like they were focused more on the interaction with the players and the ship itself rather than the world outside it. And there should have been... I suspect there are two teams involved with that. I don't know how. It's I think. Organized, but I think with VR though, you see that yeah. a lot. I, I, I really mm. I've, a lot of the VR games I've played. It's about you know living that experience and the actual, the meat on the, <laughs> the actual meat on the plate isn't quite there. Like it's you know, it's about being in that place. And I think to, to Star Trek's point, like they nail it. Like they get that stuff so very close. Mm. But yeah, yeah. They, you, you just don't quite have that content that I think lacks in so many VR games. Yeah, um, but there's some pl- I've played recently. There's one called The Mask Maker, which is astonishing, um, a fantastic game, and that that has you making masks and you put them on your face, and when you do, you're transported to another world, and then you solve problems in that world. It's just amazing. So I am I am broad brushstroke, and I must admit, you know, there is. There, is, there are exceptions, of course. Astrobot, there's Half-Life Alex Astrobot as well, which is yeah. Yes, yes, and Half-Life Alex was a game which has you loading a gun in real time. I mean, to put a magazine in the gun, it's just amazing. Uh, um, so yeah, it's it's it, it, it's going something, but there's not not enough people are playing these. You know, the two titles I've just mentioned are only on PC, and that's a really small market, really small audience, and I fully admit that. But nonetheless. It's a worthy title. It's a fantastic. It's a very good game, very good game. But um, and uh, and certainly, you know, you, you do have to do a lot of practicing and training. You do get the most out of it when playing multiplayer. Absolutely, it's one of those. Everyone, it does have a single player mode, but really, it's just a training module for the the real experience, which is fine, and that's great. So, then leaves me to thank Tony. You're welcome. <laughs> Jesse? Make it oh. go. <laughs> Make it go. And James? Thank you, Chris. As well as our correspondents, plus, of course, you for listening. Even to not Spock. I'm, you know, telling you stuff. Next time in issue 472, we have a title <laughs> which is not really well known. It's a bit of a niche one, this. It is Duke Nukem Forever. Yeah, there you go. That's going to be an it episode to not yeah. to miss. It really will be. <laughs> 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 <laughs>